Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hi everyone and happy Easter weekend to you. If you're in the UK, I hope that you've had uh, enjoying your extended weekend and if you're listening in um, a different country, I hope that your Saturday has started well for you. In today's episode, I want to talk about emotional health. At the outset of the podcast, I say that this podcast is about emotional intelligence. And I think that emotional health is one aspect that we can think about when we try and understand what the topic of emotional intelligence can help us to better understand about the human condition. So for this context, I, um, and for this episode, what I want to focus on is how do we help ourselves have better emotional health? And the reason I want to talk about this a bit is because quite regularly we talk about physical health. And over recent years, it's become much more acceptable to talk about mental health. And those two are absolutely vital aspects of well-being that we really do need to consider more and focus on. And in a broad category, when I think about well-being, I include quite a few factors, actually. So I often include physical and mental health. I also include emotional health, financial health relationship health and I think that including those other aspects explicitly helps us to understand that our well-being and our emotional intelligence uh, how we live our best lives how we can be well it, it hinges on focusing in different ways on those different aspects of our lives and in last week's episode, I, I mentioned that I'm going to be talking with um, a, a colleague of mine that I know, Gemma Dale, about physical health in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm really looking forward to that because we're going to be able to explore that really well. And I'm going to be talking at some point with Joe Wainwright as well, in more uh, in, with a focus on the mental health side of stuff. And I'm going to be looking forward to that one too. And in today's one, I want to explore emotional health. So what is it I, I think I mean by that? When I talk about emotional health, what I'm trying to explore here are a number of factors around how we better understand what our emotions help us to do. By understanding that, creating much more clarity on our self-awareness of the emotions I'm feeling, how I express those, how I usefully discharge those, and how they can strengthen whatever it is I think I may need to do next. And I also want to uh, take a focus around the expression piece and the education piece as well. When we think about emotions, it can be sometimes a hard topic to talk about because they feel like they, that they're an, an esoteric thing. What I mean by that is that they can feel like it's quite a difficult concept to grasp. And what I think happens is that emotions don't tend to be a difficult thing to grasp. It's more that we haven't had the right kind of insights and the right kind of education about them to help us actually understand what they are there for. Uh, 
I've been fortunate enough to have gone through some training on emotional understanding and trying to create a better vocabulary around how do we express ourselves with emotions and done a lot of my own reading on the topic from people who have researched the topic really, really well. Um, in particular, for those of you who know me professionally, I I recognise the work of Dr. Paul Ekman in this field as somebody who's really helped us to understand how we can better understand the purpose of emotions because he studied the physical attributes that are related to emotions when they are felt and the how we express those. He's also done a lot of work into the facial expressions that we use and what they can indicate about an emotion, a person's emotional state. I also quite regard the work of Daniel Goleman in this area and that's a bit of a controversial statement because people are really unsure about Goleman's work. I think what, he's, what he helped to do was provide a a focus on this area of emotional intelligence and subsequent research around emotional health and how we can look after ourselves in a much more emotionally healthy way. So certainly I think there's those two people that we can look to. And I'm also mindful here that I've only mentioned two people who have done research in this field. There are of course many others who have done a lot of very good work. I just haven't done the right research to be able to pick up on those and mention them in the podcast specifically. I will definitely try and add them into the show notes. So let's start with thinking about how it can help us to better understand ourselves. And I think one one thing we can appreciate is that when we're able to better understand our emotions, what they are making us feel, and in what intensity and to what degree do we need to deal with those emotions, we start to be able to have in ourselves a better understanding of what do I need to do now in this moment to deal with this emotion that I'm feeling. That's often a set of thinking and questions which we don't we don't develop as a skill and we don't develop as a way of thinking. And mostly that's because it's not been something that's been brought to the forefront of our um, education. And I'm cautious there. I don't necessarily think it's the role of educators to have to do that. There's also something there around how do our parents help us to better articulate our emotions when we're feeling them? And how do we help our peers, how do we help our friends, the support networks we have, our spouses, partners, how do we help each other to be able to notice that someone is trying to express something, they may be experiencing emotional difficulty with and not sure how to do that and so we have to try and enable them to to find a way to express themselves. So I think that's something we can think about. And I think when we think about it and and try and understand what the emotion is and what it's doing for us, we can also then try and understand what do I need to do next. One of the things that I've learned over time is that we have a stark language about emotions, where we talk about emotions as if they are good and bad things to experience, where the reality is that emotions are I think a useful way to think of this is that emotions are information that the body is giving us about something that we're experiencing. 
That doesn't mean that we're experiencing a good or a bad thing. It's telling us that we are physiologically, emotionally, mentally experiencing something. And it's telling our body that we need to react in a certain way. And we need to pay attention to what that is. And I think that's the piece which, that's quite a, I think in the way I've just described that as well, it sounds like it's quite a complicated affair, quite a complex affair. And it probably is. And it's one of those things where we have to pay some time and care and attention to what is it I'm noticing? What does that tell me about myself? What does it tell me about the thing I've experienced? And what does it tell me about the quality of thinking I'm likely to experience at this moment? Because I think that's the other aspect of this, which is our emotional health drives our quality of thinking and our thinking capacity. So, for example, if you consider that you are in a, you've, you've suddenly been surprised by something, the surprise in and of itself isn't going to enable you to do anything. It's just telling you that you've experienced something unexpected, you're not sure how to react, and in that moment, you're kind of waiting for the next thing to happen to help direct you about where to take that energy that you're now that's now displaced because it's it's an it's not a normal activity that's happened to you, and you have to then take a decision of well, am I supposed to react in a positive way or am I supposed to react in a negative way to whatever happens next? And what that does is it focuses the mind around what is what is that next piece immediately going to happen? What are the assumptions I can make about that? What do I what am I likely to need to think? And how am I about to adjust my quality of thinking? And I think what can happen is that sometimes we don't understand that our quality of thinking may be impacted because of the emotion that we're experiencing and or the direction in which that emotion may take us next. And so I think what we have to be able to understand about ourselves is that it's okay to suspend for brief moment in time any need to have to make a decision until you properly understand what it is that that's happening and occurring to you and the kind of thing I'm talking about here is something like say for example that you have a meeting with your manager and they tell you and they want to express to you how they feel that you're underperforming in some way that's uh, unless you've been given other indications beforehand, that's probably going to come as a surprise and you're not going to know what that is potentially leading to. You know, Does that mean that the manager is now going to lead into a conversation of supporting your performance and enabling you to raise your performance level? Or does it mean that they're going to offer you some other type of support via a different network of people within the organisation? Or does it mean that they're going to start some kind of performance management process where they have to document what's happening? Any and all of that could mean you react differently. And the important piece there, I think, is that we have to be able to understand, I need to process what that emotion is telling me, the information I'm receiving from the other person. And once I've done that, I can then respond in a way which I think is useful, healthy and appropriate. I think what often happens is that we are told and expected to have to respond immediately 
without understanding that people need to process things and they need to reflect on them and they need to be able to find a way forward which is helpful for them. That can sometimes mean that we have to allow for time to take, uh, to take precedent and that the person is allowed to take, a, take their time, go away, do the thinking they need and come back to us. That can sometimes feel a bit awkward and a bit difficult, especially if, say, for example, you're talking to your friend and you're expressing to them something around something difficult that may have happened to you. Say, for example, that you've experienced some kind of trauma and you're trying to express what that is to your friend and your friend isn't able to respond well because they're not sure how to understand what's happened. That can be quite a difficult thing for both parties because you have the friend, you have the first friend who's trying to express something difficult for them and they're looking and seeking for some kind of support. And you have the other friend who may be experiencing a, a lack of awareness of how to respond well to, the, to their friend. And that can be quite a challenging thing. And like I say, it's because I think one of the things is that inhibits that is we haven't allowed for people to develop that capability to have difficult conversations. Certainly, we've, we know how to be able to talk to each other and, uh, and tell people what's happening for us. And you, you see that happen. You see it happen well. You see it happen in the cases of, for example, when... I'll take an easy example. When my daughter is trying to tell me that my, her brothers have upset her in some way. And then that's that's good and that's healthy because uh, she knows that she can come and talk to me. And that she knows that she can express herself in that way and that's fine. The next step after that, which I've found I need to be able to do with my daughter and with my sons as well, is help them to understand their emotion they've felt and where they're going to go next with it. What do they need to do with that emotion? So if they're feeling sad, then how do, we, how do I help them to resolve that sadness and accept, accept that they can carry on, they can move on, that they don't have to stay in that state of sadness unless they think it's quite a serious thing. And you know, sometimes um, you know, within, with children, they can experience extremes of emotion. And, you know, particularly for those of us who are parents, we'll experience this when we have when, when our children choose to throw tantrums, for example. Interestingly, I think that because of the way that that's dealt with at that young age informs how the child is able to then deal with those similar things as they grow, as they develop. And then we, we I think we're all quite familiar with that when you're a teenager and you're in the throes of your home, your hormones directing your body to develop in ways which are quite challenging and, um, you know, we, we can end up facing different emotional extremes as well. And we need to have someone there to, at that stage in our lives as well, to be able to help us navigate what we're feeling. If it's a transient thing, if it's a permanent thing, you know, I, I certainly remember when I was kind of my mid-teens really unsure about friendships and where they were going to go and if they were going to last and I, I remember at the time not really having anybody to be able to talk about those things with 
and to try and understand what does that mean for my future self and I can look back on it now and I can reflect and and I can understand what happened at that time and where those thoughts were coming from and I have the benefit of hindsight to know that well that, that's what happens it's okay for that to happen but it's also important to have someone that you can talk to about those things and my parents were certainly well my mother is certainly the type of person who I could talk to about some things but it, this is also the, a set of topics which you start to need different networks of people to be able to talk with some topics about interestingly with my father I, I never felt I could do that mostly because there was a, a language barrier where his, his English was certainly at a very good conversational level and he could talk very well conversationally with uh, many many English speakers and most of his, his work that he did involved having to do that it, it was just at that next level of a deeper level of conversation that I would want to be able to have. I didn't always feel I could have with him. And it wasn't until I started to develop friendships and met other people that I realised that there's different ways to be able to have those conversations. There's different ways to be able to lean on people and express yourself, which is a helpful thing to do. So... Uh, Coming back into this area of thinking about how do we develop that emotional health? And then certainly if you think about that as adults, what we don't pay attention to is that we still need to regularly think about what is my emotional state? How am I expressing the different emotions I'm feeling at the right time, in the right way, with the right kind of intensity as well? And that's an ongoing set of thoughts we should be able to comfortably have in ourselves, talk about them with others. And I think this is where we can start some, there's some really good practices where we can help each other around these things. Certainly one is, how do we help people to do that self-reflection? How do we help people to think about their own actions, what they're experiencing, what they want to do next, and provide them a safe way to be able to explore that in themselves and with others and I think this is where we can start to explore that when we understand what we're experiencing we may also need to think about actually am I with the right person to explore that right now so do I have a different kind of support network for the different types of emotion I may be experiencing and what's the best way for me to express that to my to the other person so that I can deal with that best in myself and move forward in a useful way. So for example, we often think that if we have a partner or a spouse, that they must be the default person that we have to talk through our emotions with. And for some people that'll certainly be true and that's a really healthy relationship where you can do that well with each other. And for others, we may realise that at that moment, talking to your spouse or partner may not be the right option. You may need to have to talk to somebody else and then come back and be able to talk to your spouse or partner about what it is that you've been feeling and expressing. And the reason I'm expressing it in that way is because I want us to be able to be better attuned to what are my emotional needs. If I understand what that is, how am I able to express that well? And the person that I need to do that with, 
are they the best person to help me in that moment? And as an ongoing support piece, who are the next group of people or next person that can continue to help me to explore that and deal with it in a useful, healthy way? I'm also talking, it also sounds like I'm talking about this as if it needs to be an elongated set of conversations or a prolonged set of conversations. And I'm really cautious that I'm doing that and I, I recognise how I'm expressing it. And that's not what I mean. What I mean is that there are certain times when our emotions will take us in different places during the day, during the week. And we need to make sure we're talking with the right people to be able to help us deal with those in the best way possible. Again, as an example, in different ways, if you're, say, for example, feeling anxious about your financial health and financial well-being, and you're not sure you can talk to your partner about that, then who can you go and talk to? Quite obviously, I might suggest that you would go and talk to a financial advisor who can provide you some good advice about what to do next. You may also have a good friend who can advise you, who understands about financial matters, to be able to enable you to think better about the situation you're facing. The important thing is that you, you find a way to deal with the anxiety with the right person. It also may be you may need to talk to a couple of different people in order to be able to work through that. On one level, you may need the practical help of a financial advisor. In another way, you may need your partner or spouse to help you to deal with your anxiety that you're actually feeling. And I think when you start to understand that, that that can happen, and we can allow that for ourselves, is when we also start to then purposefully have better conversations. Not just... Um, with others but also in trying to think through some things for yourself better so those self-reflective practices i think are really important and another way i think we can usefully reflect on how we are doing what i'm feeling is to be able to try and do some kind of journaling and it's a process i've found personally valuable where you take the time to regularly just think through Write down if that's how you want to do it. I know people use art to be able to express themselves in other ways. They find uh, they may need to do that through music. Uh, and uh, these are just certainly some of the immediate examples I can think of about how people want to express what they're feeling, but also chronicle what they're feeling and journal what they're feeling. And in that process, what you are able to do is you're able to allow yourself to explore what did I feel, what happened in that moment, how did I deal with it, do I think I behaved in the right way, what would I like to do differently next time, what did that experience teach me, have I learned anything out of that process, is it something I need to talk more about with somebody else, and when I've done this myself, and I do it on a fairly regular basis, I tend to do it through speaking and uh, needing to articulate myself uh, vocally. So I, I use uh, Evernote app where you, it has an audio recording functionality within it. And I use that quite regularly to be able to just do exactly this, exact, uh, exactly what I'm describing here, where I 
vocally and using my um, and I do that because it's how I can express myself best. And then once I've done that, I, I, I'm, a, I'm better able to know what it is I'm thinking and feeling and where I need to take it next. Sometimes the expression of and having just articulated myself is enough. I don't need to do anything more and I'm quite happy to just leave it there and let it be. Sometimes I realise that I may be stuck and I need to do a different type of activity or I need to talk to somebody else and that's all good learning for me. I think also what it starts to help you think about is that you might need to do different types of activity to help support where your emotions are taking you. For example, if you have a lot of energy and you're not sure what to do with it, exercise may be a good thing to be able to discharge that out of your body. That could be nervous energy, that could be anger, it could be frustration, it could be any anything like that, where you have a, an amount of, or a sense of, and a feeling of energy inside you, which you recognise needs to be let out, and you need a useful outlet for it. Being very physically active can help to do that. I don't mean necessarily having to go to the gym or having to go to like a boxing class or something. It could be something like going for a very fast walk or you know, doing the hoover around the house or something. It might also be that you need to explore different types of activity, like, for example, sitting still and meditating on what you are feeling and experiencing and allowing that moment to just happen. It may also be that you need to find a way to usefully express it using, like I said before, art or music or some other form where you can find an outlet for that energy that you have and that it's allowed to be discharged, as I've described. And I think what hopefully I'm starting to explore here and express is that it is about the expression of these emotions. It's about the understanding of what the emotions are trying to tell us that we can allow ourselves to have better relationships with others it means that i that we take care of ourselves better so our self-care is given more prominence and in that and through that type of action and activity we start to be able to have better lives where we where we allow to experience different emotions and in different ways. I also want to just focus on that for a moment, where I think it's important to be able to recognise that we don't always have to experience positive emotions positively. And what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say here is that I remember the film Inside Out, the Disney Pixar film. I loved that film. Primarily because it allowed for me to be able to tell my children that when they, when they, if they're angry with each other, that that's okay. They're allowed to be angry with each other. It's not a bad thing. What what can happen is, or rather, what it allows for is, it allows you to be able to let the other person know what you're feeling. You have to find a way to be able to deal with that in a healthy way. And once it's done, then and the emotion is discharged, then you end up having a, uh, you end up feeling better in yourself, and hopefully the other person understands 
what they should try and avoid to um, uh, to m make you feel that again or to stop you feeling that again and that was I, I think such a powerful film just because of that it's something I've understood for a, a long while that that's okay as well right where you are allowed to feel the different emotions you have and you're allowed to express them is often that they are related and associated with other actions and in the case of anger it tends to be around violence or it tends to be around abusive language or it can be around um, unhealthy behaviors and you what you realize is that those are just an outlet of that anger being expressed. Whereas if the anger were expressed in a different way and it were dealt with differently, then the action that comes next would also be a different set of actions. I am not saying in any way that I've mastered this with my children. I just found it a useful way to be able to have that kind of conversation with them. And... Um, I think one of the things I also helped me to realize is that even with my friends and with my partner and with uh, family members, it's still a ongoing way to be able to help me to have those conversations. And it helps me to express myself in ways I haven't been able to. I mean, certainly over the last few years, I've become a lot stronger at doing this and a lot more mindful and aware of how to do this. The last piece I'd like to focus on, I think, is around there, there does tend to be a gender bias of perception in how women and men express their emotions and a myth that women are better expressing themselves than men. That is that they're meant to be better expressing their emotions than men and that men don't do this well. And I think what I've been reading about and researching about over the last couple of years is that what happens is that men and women express their emotions differently because of the context and the ways that we are socialised into those types of conversations. And I think what we need to focus more around is less about what are men and women expected to do when they're expressing their emotions and more around how do we help ourselves to express what we need to in a useful way, in a healthy way, that enables us to be emotionally healthy. And for men, what we tend to find is that they are not provided useful ways to be able to express themselves. And what I mean is the type of example of when we use phrases like man up, you don't have to cry, and those type of responses which tell men and boys that they should emotionally close off those things to themselves because they're not good for them, apparently. And that's just not a great set of behaviours that we're trying to open and cultivate there. And what we see when that happens is that in as they grow older and as they're developing and as they um, become young men in, into ad proper adulthood, that these boys and men have difficulty in being able to form healthy, constructive, progressive relationships with others because they haven't been allowed to express themselves in the ways that are needed. 
And I find that quite a difficult and challenging thing, primarily because I had a very useful upbringing. Useful is the wrong word. I had, I think, a privileged upbringing where I was... I was encouraged to express what I wanted to in a way which was healthy for me and I didn't feel that I was judged for using my words in the way that I used to to be able to express myself. And at the same time, I know that there are friends of mine who were not encouraged to do that in the same way. And so when it comes to them trying to use their knowledge and education and expressions to say what they need to they can and do find it difficult to do that because they haven't been socialized into that way of being and again i'm quite cautious that this isn't something i've mastered certainly not there's many situations i know of for myself where i i would have wanted to express myself differently better have dealt with my emotions in a certain way and I didn't, and it has had negative um, outcomes. And so I've taken the time to do the reflective practice, do the journaling, do the um, have the conversations with people who can help me to move through those. And I think I'm in a better position now to be able to do those. And I recognise that it's something which is an ongoing practice I need to do. And also, I recognise very strongly that there's a lot of ways in which those myths and stereotypes are reinforced on a daily basis and it's about being able to find ways to find good useful and healthy ways to help people step forward move forward express themselves in in better and ongoing ways and i think the other piece here is in relation to how do we and how do we help people then to think about this on an ongoing basis? And I think it comes back to some of those things I mentioned previously, is around how do I understand what those emotions are in me? And it's not necessarily about having to understand that we only have a, either a finite set of emotions or a range of emotions. It's more around, am I able to articulate the thing I'm feeling at this moment in this way and what it's doing to me that's one place to be able to start I think another place to be able to um, practice is do you do that journaling do you have a way to be able to usefully write down think about express your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings that help you to get it out of your system as such and find a way to understand if you need to take that forward, if you need to resolve it in a different way. And I think also there's things there to be thought around identifying if you have the right kind of support networks around you to help you be emotionally healthy. And sometimes that may involve having to have some difficult conversations or some difficult decisions that may need to be made around you know do you have the right kind of people who are around you are your friends the right kind of friends um, are you in the right kind of relationships are you um, in the right kind of work environment where your emotions may or may not be allowed to be expressed 
And I think that's probably a good place to wrap things up for today's episode. It'll be interesting to know how you've heard this, today's episode, what you think about it. Please do comment on it. As ever, um, there's options to subscribe, to like, uh, to listen through iTunes and to listen through the Podbean app and to hear the previous episodes as well. Thank you very much, folks, and I'll catch you in the next episode.